Western North Dakota, the men and women in blue are coming at you. We're back at it 2023, straight off the cuff. Lieutenant Mike Hannell, good morning, man. Hey, good morning, Lieutenant Clouser. How are we doing? Doing pretty good. A little uh, hiatus. A little hiatus in the month of uh, December in the holiday season. So, yep. And we're both looking forward to kind of getting back into the groove here and, and getting something out to our community. Exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, you had obviously a big, uh, little bit of a big uh, life change in, in your neck of the woods there. So congrats again on the twins. Everybody's doing good. Yeah, they are doing good. We, uh, just for your listeners and viewers, we uh, added two more uh, daughters <laughs> to the family. My wife birthed twins uh, at the end of November and then took a hiatus in December for uh, some paternity leave and department was real supportive of that. So now sitting on uh, four daughters uh, under the age of six. Oh boy. So for anybody out there looking to say a prayer at night, as I've said, you, <laughs> you could some, use all you can get. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you want to fill in a void, yeah. um, think of me. So <laughs> we uh, we got some really good stuff today. I, I got something uh, a quote that we've kind of been working with to set a tone and fitting for uh, our special guest that we're going to be kicking over to here in uh, you know a few minutes after we get through some department happenings and such, current states and some goals for 2023 and things we want to share and get out to you guys. But it is this. And it says, uh, what most people don't understand is that you could be the worst person in the world that ever existed. But if you needed help, I would be there. I will show up when your friends won't or if they run away. I work with brace men and women who do the same. We go, we help. It is what we do. And we, we have a career law enforcement officer in today. Uh, a little piece of history for the Dickinson Police Department in our community that I think uh, encapsulates that a little bit. And you and I both know him personally and yep so i don't know where you're getting these quotes from but every time you pick one up it matches that person that's sitting in the chair across from us here so i'm um, really excited to to uh, bring him in here today i'm glad he could join us here today i've had uh, very very fond memories of uh, working with him back in the day which it doesn't seem that long ago but it's, it's kind of adding up there already but so i am i'm excited to talk to him here in a few yeah just as we were priming the conversation he had referenced like uh, almost a dozen years uh since his departure from yeah, us and I, yeah. And then the, the, the days are long, but the years are short. Exactly. You're like, wow. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I guess maybe for anybody out there interested in currently what's happening in the department at the beginning of the year as we, we move forward with it, um, there's um, number one, you know, we're always looking for, for good men and women um, that want to serve the community, uh, step into the role uh, with the badge and the gun and uh, that public servantry end. I know you, you've been doing a lot of good stuff on the advertising and marketing from your public information officer standpoint. And we currently are sitting at five openings. I think four. We have four. one that's somewhat pending. We have a uh, patrol um, uh, interview position that, that's just closing. So we're going to be doing some interviews on that. Uh, got quite a few applicants here. Um, we're, again, still in picky mode. We're, we've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast that we, we're, we're, we're kind of fortunate to the point we could be full-staffed if we wanted to be. But that's, again, we're, we're, we're continuing to be very choosy about who we decide where's our patch. Um, so it takes a little bit longer to get people on, uh, onboarded, um, get them through the background process. So, but we, we just want to make sure that we're feeling the best officer for the citizens of Dickinson. Yeah, we, we are sitting right now with uh, three officers in training. 
Uh, we have a new uh, basic academy that's going to be coming up in March. Um, and so probably we'll be sending a few more than that uh, as a group, which would be the largest group that the police department has ever sent to a basic academy. I would think so. We, we might even have to revert back to our guest here today to see if there was anything else way in the past. But recent past, yeah, this is definitely the most we've ever sent through, I think, all, all at once. It's just kind of the, the perfect storm of things. Um, something, I guess, that kind of snuck up on us here is the uh, the legislature had allocated some money for for the uh, um, Law Enforcement Training Academy in Bismarck is what, where we send our officers, our new officers. Uh, ended up being a revamp or remodel that kind of popped up right, right when this uh, January session was supposed to start. So we have to, uh, we had to get a little creative, get get back to maybe a little bit of a COVID mindset almost where, we did, where we're doing some remote stuff uh, uh, in lieu of uh, having them go to the academy here this the spring, I guess, the spring class. But we'll, we'll make it through. It, it'll be good to get these guys back and guys and gals back and uh, on the streets. Well, I think it's a safe plug for us here, too, for, um, you know, the, our citizens out there paying attention to, you know, it's the middle of a biennium and um, bills being passed and, you know, how is money being spent and where it's being allocated. That You know, our, our North Dakota Academy has served a lot of men and women in the uniform over the history of its time. Um, it's uh, it's what I think we could safely say is, is uh, the facility itself is a little bit dated. And mm-hmm. I think all of us within the profession, even, I mean, not, well, I've been there. I'm not worried. I've already been through it, so I don't need to worry about doing anything for the next generation. That's that's not that's just the opposite. I think we all would love to see some some funds and uh, the citizens and of North Dakota paying attention to getting us a new law enforcement academy in the state, basic academy in the state. Right. That would be a great thing before we retire. It, that would be that would be great to say. I mean, it's it's you, you put in you get what you put out, and and if you're able to do you know exponentially different things with with a different footprint you know out there, I think you're just that. Quality Quality training you're going to get out of it is worth its weight in gold, right there. The officers that you're going to be putting out, um, so so it'd be that. And it complements the other, uh, you know, private um, colleges around the state. You know, I'm, I'm a Lake a Lake Region State College grad, you know, up in Devil's Lake. Uh, that's where I went to my uh, academy at. So there's different avenues uh, for people to get into law enforcement. Uh, if you come to us with no experience, obviously we'll send you to Lida and Bismarck. If not, there's those uh, private universities up there that do different sessions throughout the year. I think even a couple of summer sessions, Fargo uh, PD is doing their complete own academy. Right. They, they're really outside the box there on that one. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, um, and potentially even our neck of the woods examining some, uh, maybe some opportunity there to, right. to, to kind of go down that path as well to, to partner with the uh, career and technical with, stuff yes, that's yep. uh, coming here locally with a footprint and, and the highway patrol certainly has had this as a focus for a while. And, and there's been lobbying and jockeying for probably a decade or more on really trying yeah. to make some stuff happen. So it's out there, the conversations there, but um, just in a time where there's this mass crisis in trying to recruit and bring people into the profession mm-hmm. and, uh, I think that uh, I think that you know a new law enforcement training facility for the state um, could be a huge recruiting factor mm-hmm. to draw them you know, new officers in and you know laterals you know looking to see how North Dakota is prioritizing training and such for absolutely. And I think that's what this new generation really just you know is really drawn to is, is just kind of the, you know, the not necessarily the bells and whistles but just the you know the attention that we that we place on them and and their their learning experience you know and, and how much they're able to to grasp. Um, yeah, so anything we can do to help them out and, and get people through the door on that, that'd be worthwhile. Yeah. And maybe back in, in more locally here, internally focused, the uh, some of the stuff that the city of Dickinson is continuing to prioritize to help with first responders uh, and just employment, uh, some of some positions even outside of that in other departments, public works, class A drivers. But we have now went towards uh, incentives for laterals uh, yep. coming in. 
and some sign-on bonuses that are there for, for our listeners and viewers. And uh, you can seek that out on our advertisements uh, that are on our Facebook page and our website. But um, some of those specific numbers, Mike, I mean, we, we have up to a, a $5,000 sign-on bonus for a lateral coming in um, with if, if all the boxes can be checked. Right, yep. And then uh, there's a couple other options that fall in past that with alternative for some vacation to come in. Plus, you get a little sign-on bonus uh, all the way down to just a basic new recruit uh, being able to get a little extra check out yep. of the gates. Yep, so. that would be a, yeah, 2000 with no experience. So, um, yeah, send your app in uh, once, once we have uh, positions opened. And, uh, yeah, we'd be glad to meet you and, and hopefully get you through the process, see if this is a, a good fit for you for a career. Uh, a real big one that I think impacts the community from a safety standpoint that uh, Lieutenant Handel has been um, pretty much a big cog in the wheel um, is a, a Siren 2020 project uh, is what I'm going to call it. And what is this? It's a, it's a huge radio revamp across the state. I'm going to let him talk, I guess, just in a second. But really uh, something that the state, uh, is, as a citizen, you should feel really good about like, oh, man, they, they can do this now as first responders if this happens. Uh, huge advances in the uh, communication technology and what we can do as emergency responders. So maybe you want to talk about that. Mark. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a little constant. They can land a guy on the moon, but we can't talk across uh, across town in some instances. So uh, Siren 2020 was a, a project that was kind of launched by the uh, state legislature and, and, and a lot of the state stakeholders um, way back in actually 2011 was when the first uh, initial approval for the studies came. And the whole concept was, you know, we should be able to talk to everybody across the state on, on, a, on a massive incident, um, you know, Police, fire, EMS. Everybody on the same page, on the same, without without having to get on scene and program radios. Um, and I think the the thing that really proved its uh, its need was was DAPL. You know, the the, the pipeline protests that occurred south of Bismarck uh, quite a few years ago. That was a highlighted example of um, one of the biggest things that came out of there was, was just our communication struggle that we had during that entire incident. So um, that complemented and, and just really reinforced the the urgency of developing this new statewide radio system, which is, is Siren 2020. Um, our agency now is on the cusp here within the next uh, couple weeks of going live with it. There was a lot of buildup um, uh, last, uh, almost probably within this last year, especially just a lot of configuration, a lot of training, a lot of policy procedure uh, to come up. So yeah, my, my, uh, yeah, my middle gray line here is probably from Dapple. Uh, yeah, my upper gray line has been Siren. So it's been, my, my hair is couple extra crows feed exactly in yeah yeah so it's been it's been a fun project though and um, in fact right here today we have a uh, uh, motorola which is the company that, that obtained the contract from the state to to roll this out we have uh, some motorola trainers actually in the room down the hall here uh training our dispatchers in today on how to use their new console set setups and how to um uh, configure the channels and stuff like that so basically basically for an average listener not understanding you know, radio communication or anything, we now will have the capabilities to, to flip a switch, flip a button, and be able to talk to Fargo PD, Grand Forks PD, any agency across the state of North Dakota. It, yeah. uh, it's, it's with some limitations in, in a sense on, on some of the statewide operable, uh, operability channels, um, that's definitely the possibility. Because um, right now we're, we're kind of limited by our tower site setter here in Dickinson. So if, if we get outside the range, uh, it's just like, going outside the range of, of your cell phone. You just don't get service. Uh, this, there's a lot more towers statewide, um, hundreds that, that are either uh, contracted uh, through commercial partners or state-owned property. And, and 
each of those towers is piped basically into the internet. That's, that's, that's kind of what this whole system is. It's just an internet con- computer controlled system. So that in, in theory, if you're near a tower here in Dickinson and you're on a regional channel, you can key up on your portable from within the building here and talk to your counterpart in Fargo on that same regional channel um, all through the internet um, with, with uh, extreme redundancy. There's a lot of redundant fiber lines so that if one gets cut, there's a backup. There's backup core facilities in Bismarck and Fargo. Um, Motorola is actually contractually obligated to have uh, five nines of reliability, so 99.999% reliable. That equates to 24 seconds in a month that, that the system can be down. Otherwise, it's, it's outside of the contract uh, guarantees on that. So um, they, they stand, they're standing behind their product. It's been up and going across the state in Grand Forks, Minot, uh, Williston, uh, Bismarck area. Uh, we're one of the last biggest PSAPs to kind of come online with it. And everybody before us has uh, said, what a game changer this, this type of radio system is and, and how it will be for first responders going forward. Yeah, Mike, he invested a lot of time in this, and I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of a monkey with it. He's just got to tell me <laughs> what button to go to, what channel. Turn radio but, on, push button. Yeah, yeah turn radio on, push button. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, another one here, a uh, big one that we're in the middle of this spring, uh, we are just went advertising yesterday a uh, mm-hmm. post on our first responder uh, symposium that's going to be uh, hosted at the Astoria Event Center here in Dickinson. And that has, uh, as the ad says, three of arguably the world's biggest names in first responder training. It's got Echelon Front, which many mm-hmm. would know that as the Jocko company, but he's got a lot of great people that work for him. And then we have uh, Daigle Law Group, Eric Daigle, who has moved to the front here in the last two years with his information and training uh, across the across the country. And then a, a Katie Kuhlman, who is uh, the, one of the leaders in officer wellness, first responder wellness in general, um, coming in. So those are going to be uh, April 18th through the 20th at the Astoria Event Center. We were able to raise funding um, across five different five different sponsors to be able to pay for that. And we're going to be able to host it and afford it to, uh, for free to first responders in the state. And so we're, we're thinking we're going to get maybe 150 or 200. We were talking yep. uh, the other day. So a story is working with us on that and donating some, some rooms and stuff. We appreciate their donations and the rest of the contributors, North Dakota Peace Officers Association, Dickinson Fire Department, uh, Stark County Emergency Management, your Dickinson Police Department. So that's going to be a really big one that uh, the community should look at and be like, feel good. Hey, we're, we're bringing top-notch quality training to uh, emergency services, first responders in, in the state and really hopefully, you know, maximize our attendance here locally. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, just even here in the rumblings down the hallway, a lot of people are uh, echelon front followers and, and stuff. So they, they heard that. They, my ears perked up right away when you're able to slam dunk that one. So that's awesome work on your part, man. Um, so it, it's going to be exciting to, to, to see different faces across there. If we can pack that event center, that's, that's even better, especially the message that they're carrying forward right now. So critical at our time. It's, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, weather and such, we might have a little bit of weather coming in uh, here later this week with some snow, but it's been a heck of a, <laughs> probably can more say like a hell of a December, you know, with a couple of those storms that came through, snow days, city was shutting down. And um, I'm thinking, trying to think of any highlights that we had out of those snow days from some of the officers. We did have some vehicles that were snowed in again here in the back, uh, <laughs> yes. but... Uh, we just always want to be talking about, you know, being vigilant and safe on and, uh, on the roadways here. There's been some s- uh, secret slippery moments in, in the mm-hmm. mornings and stuff with the humidity and the fog and such that's been uh, coming through. So just stay, stay safe, stay safe on the city streets. Yep, it's, it's, um, 
you know, a lot of people have been here for a while, but some newcomers that, that uh, kind of get surprised by that. It's, you know, the road was just fine yesterday, and then, you know, four or five hours later, you get a little bit of a fog or something roll through, and that road slicks up uh, just like that, and we're, we're playing uh, bumper cars all over, the, all over town. Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe without further ado, maybe we, uh, we, yeah. we let's take it on over. Let's take it on over. So retired Sergeant Rick Bartz, how's it going? Good. Glad to be here. Yeah. Well, we are, we're happy. I to, think. Yeah. <laughs> so far. So far. Yeah. We are, uh, Mike and I are extremely excited that you agreed to come and join us on the show this morning and, and talk uh, everything under the sun, Dickinson Police Department in Dickinson and try to maybe uh, get some nuggets of knowledge that we didn't know before here. So you, uh, we know that you, uh, you, you, you have a, uh, you have that kind of ability to pull uh, little nuggets out of thin air that, yeah. yeah, I didn't, yeah, what the heck, I didn't think about that, so, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of your deal, but, um, yeah, so, I guess, you know, right out of the gates, maybe for our, our listeners and our visitors, uh, vi- uh, listeners and viewers, I'm sorry, uh, tell a little bit about yourself out of the gates, uh, Bartsy, and then let's just say, we're going to go, we're going to refer to AKA Bartsy on this, this is yeah, how it's, we, it's yeah. Bartsy, oh yeah, yeah Bartsy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a lot of other nicknames too over the years, but that, that's a, that's one of the better ones. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about yourself out of the gates. Okay. Well, I originally from Beach and uh, started in law enforcement there in 1975 as a deputy sheriff, and was a deputy sheriff for three years in there, and then and then uh, was chief of police for a year, and then I came down here uh, in 1980. So, uh, yeah, I'm a lateral transfer, too. I didn't get the money. Do you remember what your academy class number was? Oh, I don't know. It was by, way back in the black and white section yeah. uh, when they had the pictures down there, you know. Yeah, I'm in the black and white section. Class number Way back there. Class number one? Uh, something like that, yeah. Or better yet, what, what's, what's your post number? Do you remember uh, your post number? Yeah, 1909. 19, okay, yeah. yeah. That's... So that's nine, 1,909 officers uh, yeah, from the start yeah. of. Yeah. 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 And so the uh, uh, born and raised beach and yep. uh, st- wanted to uh, stick around there and serve uh, beach for a period of time. And- well, I basically needed a job yeah, uh, down there and uh, the sheriff gave me a job there. So and I started at my law enforcement career. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was kind of floating around it. As a lot of people did at that era, you know, Vietnam and all that, you know, they were just kind of waiting to get drafted and type thing and, and uh, kind of no no goals until I got into law enforcement and that became my goal then, so. What was the, what was the childhood like? What was the upbringing like oh, in the family? A small town, it was good. Yep. You know, the whole town raised you. You know, you could get away with anything. You know, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. dad knew it before I got home. You yeah. know, one of, the, <laughs> one of those deals. What uh, a little family history, your, your, your mother and father, what did they do? Well, my that? dad worked for the U.S. government, uh, USDA, uh, what they called it at the time, Soil Conservation Service. Damn. And my mother worked at the, at the bank then in, Dick, in Beach. Yeah. What was the bank's name? Oh, it was uh, Farmers and Merchants at the time. And then a community first later, and then yeah, they, now it's Bank of the West. Now it just keeps going. Yeah, right, you know? right. Did uh, you have some siblings? You grew up yeah, there? I got had two brothers. I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah, I got two brothers, so I kind of paved the way. You know, yeah, <laughs> if, if I got away with it, they'd try it. You know. Yeah. 
Is it a, a rough and a rough and rowdy house? Or? Not really. No, I was probably the rough and ready of most. You know, my mother never knew where I was. I'd show up for lunch and eat supper. You know, she. I was all over. Sure. I was one of those guys. You know, yeah. always out carousing, doing something. Oh, out doing something. Yeah. The. Uh, what were some of the some of those things you know as a young man in beach um, you know you guys would do and what were some of your interests in school sports extracurricular activities groups and things like that? Well, yeah, I just, I, I played football and track and uh, things like that. Uh, it uh, we used to run around together. We had a group, of course, a group of guys. You know, we'd go around working on cars. Uh, Stuff like that in the high school, you know, earlier than that, it was ride your bicycles all the way out to a, a, a dam that was about eight miles north of town. You know, we'd ride them all the way out there on the highway and back, you know, and stuff like that. Sure. sure. Simpler times. Yeah, it was simpler times. What was the, uh, do you remember what the enrollment was in Beach at that time? Yeah, I, I remember my, my, my class was huge. Of course, we were baby boomers. I think we had 60, 63 oh, wow. or something like that in Beach. In that class, that was a huge class with only twelve girls. Wow! So the pickets were slim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. The, uh, <clears throat> did because uh, I'm not even sure right now what's uh, populous wise. What, what was the population of Beach then? Oh, it was around fifteen hundred. It's less than that now, but yeah. you know, it was it was a, it was quite a bit bigger then. Right. Yeah. It was about maybe eleven hundred now. I think probably right. it would be a good guess. Um, and, and agriculture was the focus then too, or? right? Yeah, it was agriculture. It was a big focus. Yeah. Did they have any railroad uh, or anything like that coming through that was much? Or well, yeah, they had a, they had a section, you know, and they used to have a depot there, an old brick depot, which is kind of nifty. But they tore that down now. And uh, I remember when I was going to college, the first year, the first year in college, I rode the train home from Fargo. Oh, really? Yeah, it would stop at Beach, and then the next year it. it they wouldn't. They stopped in Dickinson and Glendive then, and so I had. They had to come and get me in Dickinson then, but riding the train couldn't just tuck and roll as they were. They were no, going no. Yeah. What was? Uh, I mean, I, I haven't been on a train yet in my life. I mean, that's kind of one of those things few and far between for a lot. What, uh, what kind of? What was the ride like on the train back? Kind of. It was the milk run. It was a slow ride. You know, it took us all day to get from Fargo out there. You know, because they stopped at every little town. You know that that. That one, you know. The uh, what did you decide to uh, pursue in college after high school when you left Beach? What how, what did that look like? In well, I was kind of like I said, a, a drift there. And I tried engineering, and that wasn't my deal. So then I ended up. Uh, my majors were Russian and Chinese history, okay. and a minor in chemistry, and and uh, ROTC or. Reserve Officer Training School. Okay. What? Uh, how old were you at that time on ROTC? Eighteen, nineteen. Okay. Did, did was that a? Did you have some buddies that went into that with you? Or well, yeah. There was, you know, yeah. you didn't have to. It was all voluntary. But that was, yeah, Reserve Officer Training Corps. Yeah. And about what year are we talking uh, now? With sixty-eight, that? sixty-nine, seventy. Yeah, right in there. Vietnam was still going on big time. I guarantee there's going to be listeners and viewers that hear this and go, well, how the hell do you go from pursuing an engineer degree to uh, street beat? Like, uh, yeah, how, well, yeah. Why engineering? Well, uh, I don't know how that happened, you know. You <laughs> yeah, saw, saw a pretty girl in the class. And, yeah. yeah, well, no, engineering just wasn't my thing. 
you know, getting into that. But then I went into like a, the, the history thing. I enjoyed history and stuff. So chemistry was easy for me. Okay. I, I don't know what well, it was. It was technical, I suppose, and, and detailed work. Uh, that was easy for me. So. Sure. What the, um, the gap, you know, after, after high school and then through college, when are, you, uh, when are you finishing up college or finishing up that portion and thinking about this public servant time of your life? Well, it's uh, when I got get done with college, uh, I had a cut on a little company that I was I sold machinery for FMC Corporation. Uh, it was uh, sewer cleaners and stuff. In fact, I sold one to Dickinson, a truck mounted one, you know, and stuff. And then that was not really not making me a, a living too much. So then, then the sheriff offered me a job, and there's I went, you know, a little better monthly paycheck sure. <laughs> who was who was the sheriff at the time uh, uh anthony leckler tony leckler tony leckler yeah what's yeah. the uh, what, what was fmc do you remember what, what that stand for food machinery and chemical corporation okay and that was uh you were working out of beach when you did that? right yeah it was my own my own company it was just i sold their machinery okay yeah yeah and so the uh, is there a, a spark or just a, a coffee and a conversation that uh, gets you to pivot um, with the law enforcement stuff with uh, at that point in your life or what was this uh, well, you know, money's it, it, part of it? But Tony and I were, are, were good friends and he, you know, and I rode around with him a lot and got interested in, in, uh, in, in uh, police work, you know, out there, it's a little different, you know, you're all by yourself. And uh, then he offered me a job cause he needed a deputy. So I said, okay. Sure. And I, it took me, I, I didn't go to basic for a year after I was hired. That was quite a long time. Okay. And in fact, I went to breathalyzer school before I went to basic. <laughs> it's just, that's the way it added up. There was no openings at that time. Gotcha. Well, what was the department at the time? You had deputy and, and the that sheriff? Was, just that was me. That was just you. Yeah, the sheriff and yeah. me. Yeah, and that's in Golden Valley County, which was pretty big. Yeah. Did uh, shift work wise? I suppose it didn't even really have a shift. It was just day shift, and then get called out at night. Or how did right, that work? right, yeah, day shift and get called out at night. And weekends we we go out at night a while, but that's about it. And basically, answer calls, you know, if you got any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> what were some of those uh, those early moments in your law enforcement career that uh, that stuck with you forever? You look back at and shake your head at, or anything like that, you know, out there in the rural area. Because you're right, it's it's worth highlighting, you know, and the listeners. You know, we we're pretty lucky. Mike and I you know, always working in the municipality, city here, backups, thirty seconds, minute away, you know. But you get out to these rural areas, even yep. still, it's you know, thirty minutes, right? You know. Well, and, yeah. I, my nearest backup was like Belfield, you know, right. <laughs> so, right. you know, 40 miles away or Weibo County in Montana, yeah. you know, which was closer. But, but, uh, yeah, was, you had to pick and choose your battles, basically, you know, yeah. you had to decide what you're going to get into. Yeah. I mean, tactical disengagement. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. you got to decide what you're going to get into and not get into because, you're out in the middle of the Badlands, and there's nobody out there. <laughs> How old are you at that time? Oh, I was. I didn't start till I was 25. Okay. So you know okay. that was, you know. And were you, were you hooked immediately when uh, once you stepped into it? Pretty or, much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know there, there's a farm that plays out in here for you. You know, you got you got a little farmer John in your blood. When does the when does the farming and such play in for? Well, the, I always uh, help my dad out with the family farm. 
And uh, I usually, t- usually took vacation in the spring from the police department here and did that. And then when my dad passed, I tried to run it myself and work for the police department at the same time. Well, that was getting a little <laughs> little tough, so then I decided to, I, I could retire, so I did retire and then went full-time farming. And where was, was your guys' family farm at? Uh, it's about 80 miles north of Sterling, you know. Okay. It's up there in the pothole country, Animus, Harvey. Sure. Yeah. What's uh, what's the main crop that you guys usually do? Well, we're, we uh, wheat, soybeans, corn, you know, that's basically the three. Yeah. I also know um, from the history here and the listeners that uh, flying is kind of a thing um, for you for a period of time. You got up in the air a little bit and did, and Mike, you know, sitting here has an affinity for, you know, flying him in his own too there, so you guys had that connection. Um, but, you know, when did you start into the piloting and, and uh, flying? Well, I could, my dad had an airplane when I was in high school. and uh, What kind of plane? It was a Cessna 170B, uh, and... Uh, and then uh, he had ended up selling that because uh, his partner, he couldn't buy the partner out, and the partner bought him out, so, and that plane. But I got started with it. I always liked airplanes, and my dad bought me my first lesson. And, uh, you know, and so I got in a J, what do you call it, J3 Cub. The cub. Yep. Yeah. Hand start, he had to start it by hand and everything, <laughs> and he flew it from the back seat. <laughs> It tail, was tail dragger. Tail dragger yeah. with the windows open, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was the first one. And then it took me several years before. I finally got enough money, and I took lessons and and, uh, and did it myself. Got my private license. And then we added, my dad had an airplane, an air, old air coop at that time. And I flew that a lot until recently. Okay. Yeah. Um, what were your total years of, uh, of flying? Oh, golly. I, I did. I think it was 20, 25 years, something like that. Scariest moment up in the air. <laughs> in when, the air? Yep, scariest moment. Did, uh, up in the air, you, you had a, one of those old, those pucker factor moments that, like, man, this might not, I might have something bad going on here. Well, it was, uh, it was uh, not in my plane, but. I was in the Civil Air Patrol one time, and uh, three of us were out doing what they call sundown patrol at the, on the lake on Sunday evenings to make sure there's nobody wrecked or stranded out there, you know, on a boat. And uh, we were coming back and come to landing, and uh, the guy had a retractable Cessna. The gear retracted. Well, he put the gear down, and the gear lights didn't come on, that mm. they were down. And uh, we could see they were down, but we didn't know if they were locked. And so we did the emergency procedures and landed. They were locked down, but uh, it was that was scary because you do go through a lot of procedures there. You know, tighten up your seatbelt, turn all the, <laughs> t- turn the fuel off, turn the ignition off. You're dead sticking it in because yeah. you don't want any sparks in case you're going down. You know, yeah. Pop pop the door so they don't crinkle shut. That's on you. right. Take yeah. your glasses off. In case uh-huh. you hit hard, you don't yeah. want to cut your face up. <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole, you do the whole thing. Yeah. Vivid memory. Needless yeah, to say. that is a memory. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have that air coop? No, I, we yeah. sold it. It needed a lot of work. And, yeah. and uh, it belonged to what we call the family trust. Okay. So they wanted to dissolve the trust, so we had to sell it anyway, mm-hmm. you know. But, 
Okay. It's, a, it's a very rare airplane. I mean, that, that, that used to be yeah, around. It's a, it's a 1946 yeah. air coupe. It's old. Six, it's older than me. 60 horse? No, it's 90. 90. No, 90. 95 yeah. on takeoff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah. Fabric lined and yep. all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Very simple airplane to fly, though. Uh, yeah. So you get the... You have this period of time over at Beach, you know, as a deputy. Well, how, what was that total time like? Well, I was three years as a deputy, and then I was chief of police for a year. They had a contract. This is a story. Uh, they had a contract with the with the city, the sheriff's office did. Well, and a new sheriff came in, and the city decided they didn't want to have a contract with him. So, uh, and he calls me up on the phone and fires me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that's nice. Yeah. You know, this is in January, you know, well, a week later, I was chief of police, so that's how that worked. <laughs> and so then I came down here, you know. How long were you there at the chief of police position? Just a year. Just a year? Yeah. And what was uh, what was it about Dickinson that drew you over here? Well, it's it's, it's a backup, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, more opportunities for advancement type thing. You're kind of stuck there, you know. Sure. You know, if you can't go to school because then there's nobody, you know, watching the town, you know, that type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, you're really limited. Who was, who was the chief that hired you? Here? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Burkhart or Barnhart. Barnhart. Barnhart, yep. yeah. And what year would that have been? 1980. 80. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you have your family at this time? At the stage of your wife and kids. I had a wife, no kids. No kids yet. No kids yet, yeah. No kids, that comes after. So you start over here in 1980. What is the, what's the, uh, the shape of the department at that time? Well, it, 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 was, it, was, it had grown quite a bit because that was uh, towards the end of the first oil boom. And there was quite a few people there. Uh, it, yeah, I think they had three shifts, and they kind of rotated, you know, not four, three. That's, mm-hmm. So you'd work, I don't know, odd number of days on, and then a couple off, and maybe one off, and, you know, it was kind of strange. Eight-hour shifts? Yeah, they were eight-hour shifts, yep. It felt like you probably worked 24-7. <laughs> it was busy. Yeah. Sometimes, some nights, you'd just go from call to call to call. You know. And is the oil completely gone at this time in 80, or are we no, still feeling the remnants there? It was still remnants there. And like I said, there are times you'd go at night, you'd go from one call to the next call all night. You know, you wouldn't be doing much patrolling, you know. What kind of calls are you going to? Oh, fights and, and thefts and, and all kinds of stuff, accidents, and you know. What were you issued for equipment by the police department at that time? Oh, I got an old number 10 Smith & Wesson 38 special, you know, and uh, the bullets in the, you know, they were on the big slide, you know, you know, sometimes some of the guys had the swivel holster yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> really high tech. Yeah. How about uh, body armor? No body armor. Yeah. No well, body armor. Uh, that was, yeah, that was it. it. You got a baton, and uh, I was even issued a, a Texas slapper sap. Which I never carried because they're yeah no you don't want to use them anymore. <laughs> I still got it at home. You know, Weber gave me that one. What? Yeah. What? Uh, so did you ever see? Uh, you ever see it used early in your career? You know, you didn't carry it. But yeah. The yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. With some of the older guys. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's a tension getter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, clear house with it. <laughs> the who is your who is your first supervisor uh, here at the Dickinson Police Department? Oh boy, I think it was Bob Nash, uh, Lieutenant Nash. He, yeah, he he's a transfer too. He came from like Fremont, California. Oh really? Oh yeah, as I recall, that's by Oakland. You okay. Know. How many people were you working with at the time when you got hired on? Uh, at the one time when during the, the start of the, when it was, but we had seven guys on a shift. Seven. Seven. Yep. And we had seven cars out. Okay. And there was uh, no no investigators at that time. Was everybody patrol? Or? There was two. There was Jim Rice, who was later the sheriff, was an investigator, and it was and Dave Ramo, I think. And what happened is. Ramo went to a full-time National Guard, and there was an opening, so I applied for it. And nobody wanted the job because it details a lot of work, you know. Yeah. And so I ended up, I was, we got into investigations after only being at the police department for a little over six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh. But uh, but uh, that I had, I had four years prior experience, you know. Right. Um, and so you had a couple stints in investigations throughout your career, right? Right. I was in the investigations for about uh, nine years. And do you, um, uh, who are some of those you served with in that long over that for the longest period of time? Some of your teammates in investigations. Well, it was Jim Rice, and then Daryl Haig was, uh, and uh, Jackie Martin. That was us, us three, you know. Yeah, and you know we had Jackie on the show here. Yeah, I saw I re- I saw a part of that show <laughs> back there, so that was kind of fun to get her. Uh, uh, her history kind of yeah. memorialized, you know, and talking about some of her experiences as she came through and had her full career here. And he mentioned Daryl Haig, and obviously, unfortunately, we lost Daryl here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, uh, over he was uh, living in Missoula at the time. We he was uh, kind of one that I I kind of really wanted to get in in, in yes. into this room as well, but it just at that time it just didn't work. And um, yeah, he if you really look back at the history, and, and maybe Ricky probably have a little bit more perspective on it. It seems like Daryl has a lot of his fingerprints around here. You know, a lot a lot of this, the way we kind of do stuff, and maybe the track record of how it got brought up. Um, he, he kind of brought that to the Dickinson PD for the first time. Maybe, maybe some of the investigative type of, type of stuff. Maybe, maybe a little off of that, but that was kind of the impression I got from some of the other older guys. Yeah, he's he had he was a presence. <laughs> <laughs> you got a couple of Hague stories you can share? Uh, a few, you know. Yeah, uh, there was one. There's a lady had a rooming house down on Villard, and uh, a legal yeah. or illegal grooming house? Uh, rooming, rooming, rooming. Oh, yeah, okay. she had you know she. All these guys that stay in her basement and stuff, and she was kind of a character. You know, we'll leave her name out of it. And uh, <laughs> anyway, we'd have to go down there every once in a while. She'd she'd call the police department on on uh, on this guy or that guy that wasn't paying the rent or something. You know, we figured we could handle everything. You know, mm-hmm. Get, and uh, she'd always call up the police department and say, "I want to talk to the governor." And he says, what do you mean, the governor? He says, the governor. He says, Lieutenant Haig. He says, well, why do you call Haig the governor? And he says, because he carries a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was a big guy. Yes, he, he was. Up and was. He was a big guy. How about the uh, the one I remember you telling all the time? I always listen, like listening to the story, but there's there's a policy. There was a policy written because of Daryl Haig, right, with uh, can't do warning shots. There's something with that one. Oh yeah, well yeah, that was back before they had a policy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. I, I think I remember that. That was out at the 
Queen City Club out there, you know, where he uh, tried to get this guy's attention. He was running across the, the railroad track. So, yeah, Daryl had a warning shot. Was, no, you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Were you present at the time when that no, happened? I, no? I, no, I wasn't present, but... Did it get the attention of well, a culprit? I think, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't imagine the Dickinson Press right now. Oh boy! Oh, oh they'd yeah. have a field day on that one. <laughs> yeah, firing warning yeah. shots. No, on. they don't do that. So. It's, it's specifically in policy now. So yeah. Yeah, We're that's good. yeah. <laughs> it's a shame you had to put it in the policy, but it, that, you know. Yeah, that's usually how it always ends up. There. That's right. Yep. That's how it <laughs> ends up there. So your 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 career moves uh, on here, you know, with the uh, with the police department, and so you know you get your investigations. When when do you start to see some of the the rank and promotion, supervisory positions, and such in your career? Well, yeah, I was like, a, I was. They were. We got Jackie and I got promoted to corporal because of the additional work, you know, in the in the, in the uh, uh, detective bureau, and so and then from there we went. Uh, I want to, the only way I could get a promotion is go into basically supervision as a sergeant. Mm-hmm. So went in there and I was promoted to sergeant. And as usual, I went to school, at, management school after I got the rank, you know. Yep. So that's a little late, you know. Yep. It would be nice to have the school beforehand <laughs> because I was learning as I went. It's not easy, you know, changing into supervisor mode. Yeah. Do you... Um you look back over your career now that you stepped away and, and some of the changes, what were some things that the, the department did uh, well you know, over from the beginning of your career that you're like, yeah, they kind of had it together and uh, progressed and evolved and uh, as things went on? Well, uh, when they started, you know, equipment-wise, uh, they had cars that were not police package cars, and they did not, did not stand up. What was the car? Do you remember your first car? Well, it was the... There was a Mercury Cougar, four-door Cougars, and they were there's they're not a police car, you know. They weren't never spec. And then we had Buicks after that, and they learned that these things they wouldn't stand up for to police work. You have to have a, a special built car. And eventually they went to police package cars, you know, pretty much the same specs as a Highway Patrol, and uh, except for the engine, I suppose, because we didn't need a big engine. You know who was uh, who would have been in charge of the decision making at that time that would have got us into those. You know, somebody over the fleet or well, it was uh, it was uh, Gary Banya, and he wasn't the chief at that time, but he was you know a lieutenant. You know, mm-hmm. he was pushed that, and so did several of the other uh, lieutenants. They needed because because you you put the figures down, and, and the maintenance costs on those were a lot higher than they would be if you had a, a police spec car. Okay. And, yeah. and now we're, we're probably talking about the like the Crown Vicks, like the early right. 90s. Those, the, those were police yeah. spec. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you guys feel like those were game changers for you from a you know, day-to-day working standpoint? Oh, yeah. They were much more reliable and they handle better and, you know, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, other things, you know, I noticed the police department here did probably before other police departments was the Citizens Police Academy. We had that before it was even advertised, like I he Bismarck advertised it and said, we just don't blow our own horn enough mm-hmm. on stuff like that. We've been the first in that, in that all the time. We were one of the first with coded radios and stuff like that. Sure. One of the digital radios, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Remember what year that would have been? Oh, golly, that was way back, you know, when uh, I was still in detectives. We had the, the digital, military-grade digital radios. Mm. Have you had a chance to, uh, in passing with any of the officers, you know, in, in different functions or to sit in one of these new squad cars? That they're driving no there. i haven't i suppose it's like a uh, you know b52 you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's it's pretty automated i mean even you know your gas cap lid you know left open it's giving you an alarm yeah we, it's, it's actually a module it's called blueprint that we started putting in a couple years ago and it, it's, it's basically just a central controller that uses the if then statements so if your light switches in position three you know yeah. the three position lights you know it's a big pursuit type of thing it's got the emitter on and you're in drive and you got your siren going, and then all of a sudden it, it, the pursuit stops or whatever, and you throw it in the park. Yeah, well, if the, uh, you know, the, the gear lever is in park, then kill the siren, put the lights to a slower pattern and stuff like that. And then, yeah, we've been every now and then we lose a, a, a gas hose out at Public Works there. Somebody forgets to leave it in. So we actually have a, a little magnet in the, in the door that can say, yeah, if the gear or if the lid's still open and – you put it in drive, it starts honking at you. So we, so it's just <laughs> oh, little, little stuff like that that gets, yeah. Like you said, B fifty two. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, I suppose you got the computer in there and everything yep. else. And we never had, uh, yeah, onboard computers. You know, right. right. We're we're on the cusp of actually um, upgrading to um, an Axon. So Axon's the same company with Taser. They also do our body cameras, and then now they're coming out with the in-car video system. So in our in-car video system is going to be Axon, and it actually has integrated uh, LPR in it, the, the license plate reader technology. Oh, so okay. you're, you're driving around, get eight lanes of traffic, and if there's a stolen vehicle that's on the hot list, yeah, you'll, you'll know right then and Boy, there. Boy, so. doing all the work for you. It's, yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you think about how that frees up bandwidth to be able to do, you know, other things, yep. you know, when you're behind that wheel. Cause right, you, well, you're, you know, you're, you're doing so many things, you got to be careful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, pe- people just don't sometimes, I think, appreciate or understand the difficulty in some of that. You know, you'll see, uh, you hear from the community, how they, you know, how did an officer miss this or how do they miss that? And, and then you quickly kind of give them some tidbits and nuggets like, hey, this, this might have been what's going on in the car, radio's going on, you know. Yeah, and, right. You know, and they see the stuff over here. I mean, you got this finite, you know, ability to process all this stuff. So, Speaking, yeah. you know, the, the, the original. Uh, in-car videos were really crude, you know. <laughs> the uh, yeah VHF. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Old. Did you have VHF when you started? We did. Okay. We did, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you were. Because I think right right after you started, maybe we started doing DVDs. But yeah, v, crawling in the trunk to have to. Oh yeah, I was in the trunk, and yeah. then it'd get cold and freeze yeah. up on you, and yeah. oh, it's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> you remember when those first got brought in? Was there uh, much pushback on getting those videos in the yeah. car? Uh, some of the guys were a little anxious on it you know you got to be careful what you say i remember i i wasn't a couple of times <laughs> yeah, I kinda and, forget and then the guys be replaying the videotape <coughs> excuse me over and over in the squad room he said look at work said <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and the same the, the next part of that is obviously with body cameras now you know where they're right. they're on so much when our minute but it makes uh, us better it yeah yep. it, it has it has. I think it's uh, it's paid for itself and saved us more times than not. Right. Mm-hmm. And even yep. defense attorneys, they'll even talk now that the body cameras are obviously benefit us much more than they benefit them. That's right. You know. So, yeah. For it's uh, a point in time thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. What about <clears throat> highlighted uh, you know cases and big moments through your time with the in the community here and uh, things that you've always just kind of held on to real fond. Big you know 
things like that uh, you could share with the listeners and viewers? Well, when I first started in detectives, you know, <coughs> there was no training for that. And then it's kind of a learn on the go. And uh, I remember we had the first shooting and stuff. Uh, we were both learning as we went, you know, uh, Jim and I. And then over the years, we added them up, you know. And, and then, of course, there was the big one, the Huber, but... Mm-hmm. But uh, after that, there are several others, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, homicides. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if my if my timeline works right, um, the, probably the biggest one that, that you would have had right out of the gate would have been the Swanson murders, and that's we had right. we had Chuck on. He talked about that, Jackie. Which, yeah, I was. Yeah, we were at the Swanson. I was right in on that too. Boy, that was that was a tough one because that was a transient motel. Everybody living there was transient, and they all had secrets, and it was just strange and who are you going to pick you know mm-hmm. yeah and that was uh, the swanson for those that may not be familiar that's down there near um like uh o2 motorsports right now and heiser motors right used right. to be yeah uh, it's right across it was right across the street that empty lot across the street from o5 or o2 motorsports sure yeah. yeah yeah and so what the what, what, what was that like you know no experience and training i guess you know in that kind of field and then you hit it was that something they're like you, you you felt like, yeah, I want, I like this. This is this is what it's about. Well, yeah, I did. I did like that because you got to jump in with both feet. He says, "Okay, we got to do this right," and you go from one point to the next, to the next. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be pretty organized and uh, detail oriented. And I guess I am detail oriented. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I ended up doing a lot of the crime scenes on later. You know, because I am, and uh, did photography work. I went to the FBI photography school at Quantico, and uh, I ended up doing a lot of the crime scene photography work for a lot of the big cases. Yeah. When did you attend Quantico out there for that? I think that was uh, 89, 90, somewhere around there. They make you take the train or they buy you a plane ticket? They bought me a plane yeah. ticket, both ways. <laughs> yeah. They even brought me one back, <laughs> which is, oh, that's nice. <laughs> not, not a one way. Yeah, not one way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with our photography here in, in town, I just remembered this now. Um, back in the LAC, before they did the remodel, we actually had our own dark room there. So did you actually develop your right. own crime scene pictures? I was in charge of the dark room. Yeah, I, it was black and white pictures. But, uh, yeah, I developed all the pictures and printed uh, uh Printed uh, the uh, the pictures, and I didn't print them full size; it just uh, strips. And if they needed a full size one for court, then I'd go in and print that. Yeah. How how did how does that actually the, the process work? Do you remember how like, like the different uh, procedures that you had to do to get well, it? Well, you you know, it's, you you do a lot of work in the dark yeah. by feel. Uh, you, what I did is they had a bulk bulk uh, film, and you could load these canisters in the dark. By your wine, so many wines, it meant uh, so many frames, pictures. Uh-huh. And then uh, when you developed it, you, you had developing tanks with the chemicals and the timer and all that, and then the wash, and then you let them dry, and then you had it uh, enlarger uh, that you put on there, and you could make contact sheets. That's where you just put the film on a, a sheet and then take a picture of it, and then they're just little, you know, but then... If they picked their picture they needed, then I could enlarge that. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was a simple black and white. I learned to do that at the FBI Academy. You had to, do, you had to dev- take your own pictures and develop your own pictures to the satisfaction of three professional photographers. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what was the timeline on average on developing when you got to that period in the dark room? What was what's total time to you get something developed? Yeah, about an hour. Okay. Yeah, and then they got to dry. Of course, you got to hang it to dry, and then then you can print it. Yeah. That's hard to imagine because you think now that we have you know our digital cameras, right? And our you know if uh, an investigator goes out now, I mean the expectations on a on an average scene, be it a you know an unattended death or you know burglary, they're coming back with a hundred to two hundred to three hundred pictures, you know. And if you take a bad one, you don't need to worry about it. You just you know take more and and you have that um, that ability to be able to just yeah, you were a little more circumspect when you had to had to. Uh develop them print them you know yeah yeah and you got this limited amount of film in the camera right yeah yeah we only used to load like 12 12 on the cameras in the cars because they're usually for accidents you know if 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 there's a big scene like i would come out with the the big pro camera and and do a lot more later on we started doing color you know pictures but we'd have to send them take them to the photoshop and of course it that's a little iffy, uh, you know, especially if they're pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have them sign an affidavit that they haven't been reproduced and all that. It gets cumbersome to get them into court. Yeah, yeah it was, that it was, way. And there were some issues. Yeah, you remember? Oh yeah, with the you have to have an affidavit that they didn't uh, alter the user or anything like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, if I did it myself, I could say no, it wasn't altered. Right. Or anything right, right. in court, you know. Yeah. What was your favorite part about being in investigations? Did you have was it the crime scenes? Or did you like interviews? Did you have something? You were- I was never that good at interviewing. I, you know, I I went to some interview classes, but I, you know, actually the crime scenes and the detail work would probably be more interesting to me than uh, interviewing. Uh, to me, you have to develop your own style interviewing, and mine was different than other people. I wasn't a hard charger. Mm-hmm. I was like a good old boy. Good old boy, you to death, and you know you, you, you were the good cop versus the bad. Cop. Well, I was yeah. a good old boy, you to death. Sometimes <laughs> I, I have been known to to raise my voice at a time. <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> <laughs> just to gain control. Yep, I vividly yeah. remember that one. That was uh, when I was on Rick's crew, a, a brand new out of here, and, and uh, what, not more than 20, 20 years old, and. 130 pounds. I did not have, uh, you know, scene presence at all. And I was, I remember this one call, she, uh, this female was just chirping me and just would not listen to anything. Not, couldn't talk sense. And her old RC jumps in and, and uh, basically just, just gives her a really good command, really yep, boom to the point. It, it shut her up. And after that, it walk, walk away from the scene. Uh, Rick turns to me and said, Command presence. Yeah. <laughs> that was a learning experience, that was, right, Mike? Very, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you try to do as a supervisor. You had to try to try to instill into your guys, you know, yep. stuff like that. Yeah. You go back. Uh, you do your period, the last period in investigations, and you know you finished your career out on patrol. Uh, as a sergeant, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's that? Uh, what's that period of time like for you? Um, you know, nearing the end of your career, you reflect on that, and you know, supervising the young younger generation coming in, and um, do you ever, you ever think about how things had transitioned from you being the newbie coming in, to right? Things were to now you're in that position. Well, you always you always give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, you really, you know, they're it's, it, they're learning, unless unless they're really experienced. You know, they. You can always give them a break sometimes, but you, you got to set boundaries. You know, it says this is it. I go, I know, I like to use the phrase uh, 
that one guy told me years ago. He says, sometimes as a policeman, you have to do the hard right thing. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's tough, and you have to learn that. And uh, I always like to keep it light in, in uh, group meetings. I remember I used to, about once a month, I'd go get sliders in the morning, <laughs> and everybody would have, you know, we'd have boot checks to see who had the, had the dirtiest boots, and then they'd have to, they'd have to buy pizza and stuff like yep. that. It's a, a family thing. You'll, you'll have to lighten everybody. What, what, what are sliders? Sliders are, are, are McDonald's uh, sausage, egg, and cheese <laughs> thingies. They just slide, slide right, right down and you. then slide right out. You know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And it's a lot of, uh, again, people from the outside that watch. I mean, it, it, it's good to have that and a guy like that because you, it accumulates over time and things get heavy over time. And if you're not keeping ourselves and each other in check, you know, it can end up being a heavy wheelbarrow that you're, uh, you know, you're rolling down. Well, yeah, it's, you know, this is not an easy job and it's not meant for everybody, you know, and you just, you, it can get real serious real fast. And so you got to keep it light when you can, yeah. you know. Do you have any uh, pieces of advice you think that you would give a young RC, you know, coming into the field? You know, as you look back, one piece of advice that you wish somebody would have told you uh, back in the yes. years, and what would that be for our young officers? Because we have a lot of uh, a lot of the young listeners and viewers from our department and some of the other local agencies that watch us. My advice is keep a journal. Keep a journal yeah. of what happens because you're going to forget a lot of that stuff that happened, and you shouldn't. Yep. I know every once in a while I come up with these stories, and my daughter is a writer. She's published a book and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, she'll run to her and run to and write this down in a journal so she doesn't forget it for later use. You know, maybe in a book or something. But yeah, a lot of these stories, you know, like uh, you know, I got lots of them. You know. The gnarly dog story. Yeah, yeah. yeah can you talk Gnar- about that? Well, oh yeah, I was. That was when. That was when I first got here. Jackie and I were in the car together, and we just stopped at the come and go, or not wasn't come and go, but a stop and go or whatever, something on the north end of town. We got this. We call them gnarly dogs because they've been on a roller all day, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we had the gnarly dog and a slushy. And uh, we just got these and got in the car, and we got a call that some guy just shot himself down on the south side. So here we are going down 3rd Avenue West, and basically the slushy in one hand and the gnarly dog in the other, <laughs> going 70 miles an hour down there, you know. And try, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, finally it probably went out the window. I don't know. But, yeah, it just, yeah, I call it the gnarly dog story. <laughs> Well, who was who was driving us, Jackie or you? I think Jackie was driving. That was scary. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I just made. You have any other fond moments like that? Some fond memories? You oh know? yeah. But I just I don't know if I can think of them now or not. You know. Oh, other than that, we used to have staff meetings. You know, the detective girl and Jackie and I. Where, where and Daryl Haig, you got to understand, was 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 very organized type A personality. Okay, he'd have this list on his pad, the stuff he wanted to go through, and he'd check them off as he talked to us about them. You know, okay, and so we knew how he was like that. So we would 
sit there and move stuff around on his desk, you know, like his little uh, little cup holder, you know, and move it over here and stuff, and that would just destroy his concentration. He says, come on, you guys, and he'd pull it back, you know. <laughs> and then another thing was we were both left-handed, Jackie and I. Oh. So we had left-handed scissors, and a left-handed ruler, and stuff like that. And Daryl just—he was so right-handed. He just, he'd come into our offices. What, you know? What's this thing? His ruler's got starts from the wrong side. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, since you've left the department and, and looking at it, anything you've really noticed about the PD, like in the change, you know, just because you've stayed in touch pretty well, you know, since your retirement with with us up here those ones well you, you know time. it seems to be you keep modernizing which is good you're on the cusp of modern uh, compared to a lot of other departments yeah. uh you're ahead of the ball game a lot of time which is i, I i'm kind of proud of that, that that this department stays that way yeah and uh, we sit on now we have uh, on on paper we're at 48 and a half <laughs> 48 and a half total sworn and 72, uh, 72 positions total. I mean, in the underneath. That's uh, quite a bit more because when I was there, we only had like 20, 25. Yeah. 25 sworn, you know, somewhere around there. That's quite a jump. Yeah. But you need it, though. Do you? I'm kind of glad I retired before the second oil boom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot going on. When was your retirement date officially? Remind us. Oh, it had to be February two thousand eight, nine, somewhere around there. You know? Yeah, so you were right there. You probably right. you probably saw it coming. I saw it coming. Yeah. Yes, is it, I said, do I really want to do this again? <laughs> you know, uh, I remember one night we had seventeen drunk oil workers and cowboys in that one city jail sale downtown because at the time we had a city jail and a county jail. And we had 17 of them in that one cell down there after a big fight down at the, uh, some nightclub on the south side of town, which isn't there anymore, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that was that, that was one with the uh, the tail of the airplane, right? What, what was, oh, no, was that? no, no, no. That, that was, no, this was the one south of town down by the come and go. Oh, it's, uh, it's yes, not there y- anymore. Yesterday's or whatever that was. 22 Club or 20, something okay. like Yeah. 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 How many were you putting in the back seat of the car on that one? Oh, we had multiple cars. You know? Yeah. And then we had, oh, we got, I got stories. We had one guy we called the animal. Oh, uh, we had to chase him down one time and uh, got him in the alley, the old, where the fire department is downtown. We had an alley there and the side door went into the jail there, our jail. And uh, you got him there and, and uh, he was just, Massive and, and and wild and crazy, and he damn near tore the. Yeah, I literally tore the hinges loose on the back door of the squad car. You know, we call him the animal. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you didn't have any tasers or anything back. No, no time. tasers. No, no. You got, you got mace though, right? I heard a lot oh, of mace yeah. stories from back. Well, there. yeah, D- Daryl used to get by the mace by a caseload. <laughs> you know, Daryl. Yeah, Hague. Yeah. I shouldn't be telling the stories on the guy like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, like you said, just uh, we were just nice to be able to. We, we really did want him to come back on the show at yeah. some particular time and to be able to. Oh, he cut a wide swath. Daryl yeah. did. Yeah, absolutely. He's a great guy. 
we actually got some uh, one guy who's down at uh, the Taser's uh, big annual event in Las Vegas right now, and he let us know yesterday that the, as far as technology and modernization, t- Taser's got some technology coming out where you think of a Taser now and you get your one shot, you know, and you got your mm-hmm. probes that come out, and they're evolving to multi-shot uh, now. So, oh, know, really? Yeah, accurate, he said, up to 45 feet. Yeah. 45 feet, you know, as accurate as a pistol. And to uh, to be able to you know have multiple rounds you know so if mm. you miss on the first one right. you, you have uh, the ability to follow up and so you know yeah, if you can get to Carhartt we're good yeah we'll be good up here for that yeah well you got to have the longer <laughs> yeah. probes we used to always change them when we had the tasers later on is in the winter you'd have different probes longer yeah. probes to go through the coats and stuff yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's still a big problem for us, you know, the clothes and the winter gear mm-hmm. up here and stuff. Some people are, don't understand their, you know, about, they work about half the time for us, you know. Some people just think they're foolproof, as as you know, oftentimes. No, they're not. Misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Mikey, you had to. Oh, first, yeah. You were the first one to use one. Yeah, I got I got the toaster. Yeah, you were the first one when we first got them. Yes, we were, I think I was on your shift too, right? You no, did the it training. wasn't my shift. It wasn't your shift. You, I, had, I had a uh, new trainee with me, so I was doing FTO. We get a call of a fight at the Paragon. Right. This is back when I mean, it, we had a lot of DSU students there, right, uh, 2006, right? Yeah. And so we, uh, we just get done with the, with the taser training that, that uh, during shift briefing. And we go out, and two hours later here, we're at a massive fight in the parking lot. Uh, me and my rookie, uh, we get on scene. There's this one guy with a shirt off, and he's just posturing up. and all Perfect application for the taser. I turn mine on. I hit, hit the trigger, and it goes... You know, uh, probes go out and nothing happens and he just keeps coming towards me rookie sees that so he uses his taser and drops him and then uh from the back for, for, yeah from the back turns out i somehow my, my battery latch got, got oh. disconnected so it had enough juice to get out but not enough to, to cycle it the, the funnier part of the whole story though is we start we put him in the car and both him and i were What's that smell on the back? You know, is something smelling. <laughs> get them up to the jail, and it's like we get them up on the in the elevator. And it's like, guys, this, this that smell is still following us around. Get them up to the jailer, you know, get get them squared away. About twenty minutes later, the jailer calls me. Do yeah, you know this guy ended up defecating his pants? And, oh no, huh? And apparently that's like a one in a thousand thing that yeah. that you get off the taser. Yeah, you know, involuntary bowel. Movement. Yeah, you're known there, far, so. far and wide for that one. The, the, uh, the, that was the, the first official. Uh, that was the first official. The first official. Yeah, yeah. yeah, end up doing that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great. I, uh, you know, we're coming up, you know, a little over an hour, RC, and just uh, you know, obviously we're repeated that we're appreciative to have you in here. I mean, you got any other uh, uh, moments in time, you know, you reflect on Dickinson Police Department, things you can share for our viewers and listeners that you thought about coming into the interview today to just add on your own and and what was uh, obviously a really successful career, you know. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, It's just, uh, you got to work at it, Uh, especially as supervision. I was talking about, you know, a lot of my time was as a sergeant supervisor, and uh, you have to kind of not groom your uh, shift employees, but but to recognize what their strong suits are. And when it comes down to it, then you can assign each officer to what he's good at. You know, like I had one guy that was good at, at uh, traffic. He had one guy that's good at uh, interviewing, you know. So if you know that, you got to know that, and then you can kind of assign them on when they need it. Did you have a, 
a funnest period when you thought back at like, oh, that was uh, the absolute best. Sometimes people look at the supervisory side of it, you know, it can be taxing over a period of time, you know, because oh, yeah. managing personalities. Was that, was that, but for you, was that a good, good period of time? Or? Well, that, managing personalities to me was a little more difficult. I was more of a <laughs> independent self-starter, you know, like in, in detectives, I was more comfortable there. But I knew at that point, the only time you get a pay raise is to go up in rank, which it, I'm sure it's not like that now. You have longevity and stuff. But it, at yeah. that time, that's the only way. So I had to get into supervision. Yeah. 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 That's, that's good stuff. Um, do we have anything else, Mike, we talked yeah, about before? Just, just, just to, to piggyback off that, I, I, I look back at uh, you know, my career so far and, and, and the, the time I spent on, on Rick's crew, looking back at that, that, that was probably the most fun I had just because of the, what, what he was describing, his, his leadership philosophy. That I, I really latched onto that. I, I tried to emulate that through my supervisory type of thing, and it, it, it was always coming to work, knowing you're wor- working for Rick that day, and, and he just kept, he kept the mood light. I, I, we never had a, you know, a, a crummy day, and even, even the bad calls that we had, there was always something to laugh about uh, sometime during that day, and Rick was phenomenal for that, and, and I, I owe a lot to him for, <laughs> for uh, you know, where, where I got to today. A, a lot of, again, a lot of his philosophies I try to emulate, so I, I really appreciate all you've done for me and what you've done for the department over the years, Rick. Well, yeah. appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, my daughter says I have a very strange sense of humor. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we, there, you know, for as far as you know your legacy and you know what do they say after you leave type of thing and that footprint that you leave, there, you should uh, find a little bit of, of uh, peace knowing that like there's a lot of RC stories, there's a lot of Barchi stories <laughs> oh, yeah. that, are, that are still shared. <laughs> you know, now we're ten, fourteen. 12, 14 years yeah. after And a lot the of them are not fit for the public. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be on, by the paywall for right, that. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but to, to obviously a positive impact, and, and most of them are followed up with chuckles and laughs and smiles yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, I know I, I never had the pleasure of directly working underneath you. I had uh, Dan Brown at that time yep. and a couple other ones, Dave Wilkie and uh, Dustin Dossinger and such. But I missed out on that chance. But and I, were, I saw enough in passing at shift change and stuff, you know. Like, <laughs> I, got, I got a little uh, sprinkle of salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah. Um, we always had fun in our staff meetings in the morning, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got uh, we got a portion here that we like to finish with called uh, speed cuffing. Oh boy! Yep. And you can hear that in the background there. And and this is really just a thirty second. Um, I present something to you, and you just give a quick answer back. It's pretty safe territory, uh, but it's pretty fun. Uh, and we'll just see see how many we can get through and how you do on that. Okay. Okay. Sound good? All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. All right. Twin prop or single engine? Single engine. Revolver or semi-automatic? Semi-automatic. Shift breakfast at the legendary Paragon or sliders from McDonald's? Oh, Paragon. <laughs> Name as many countries in Central America as you can. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you, you heard that. You got that from the newspaper. Uh, one car in your lifetime you wish you had back. One vehicle you wish that you still had. My triumph. Your triumph. Yeah, what year was that? 67. 67, yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Bart Starr. I know we're past, but you're a Packers guy, so. Oh, Bart Starr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you are a Packers guy, right? No. Oh, I thought I you were the Packers. Maybe, oh, I'm thinking NDSU. I, 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 I yeah, saw the Raiders, gold and yellow. Raiders. Raiders is your I like the old yeah. Raiders with, uh, with uh, Madden. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're past the deadline on that one. So the buzzer, so that one don't count. Then. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, we, we had the, yeah, the central America one. There's an inside joke with that one. I might have to put that on the screen for, yeah. that was back in the day when the press was going around. The press the, was going around and asking with the question everybody, of the day. Yeah. yeah. The question of the day, can you name all of the central American countries? And I was the only one that could. Yeah. yeah. Flint, Chuck, Flint, Chuck gave like what, Nicaragua or something. That was it. And that's yeah. All I could no, do. I gave them all. Yeah. You know, I even had Belize, yeah. and then I told him Belize used to be British Guiana, and the guy was going. Yeah, you know, yeah he pulled up the article the other day. Yeah, yeah, we got old scra- old scrapbook, of some of that old stuff to get a look at. <laughs> well, thanks a bunch, RC. You, you bet. Know, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, we really appreciate this uh, little over an hour getting to spend with you, and I know we're going to see you a bunch of more times. He's still a frequent flyer in our coffees in the morning, keeping in the loop with the. Yep, everyone I can. Yeah, yep, yeah, with the gossip and such. So. I guess with that, um, just want to make sure listeners and viewers, you guys are continuing to share the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. Make sure to like our YouTube channel. Uh, click subscribe on there. Get on our Facebook page. 15,000. We just crossed 15,000. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yes, yes. We're uh, Anything we can do to, to keep that growing, uh, it's amazing. Uh, good job, Lieutenant Hanel. Uh, RC, we will, we'll, we'll be chatting here soon. Okay. So, you bet. Right. Have a good one. Stay safe.